Okay, welcome to another episode of Sidekick TV. Today we're joined by Kay from Love Immigration and we're talking all about the recent changes with immigration policy in New Zealand and also um, what small businesses and employers can be doing right now to help them in this changing landscape. Now, um, Kay that joins us comes with vast experience in this area, having worked for Immigration New Zealand in various roles and places from uh, India, Taiwan, Auckland, Henderson, Wellington. Um, had been an advisor, a technical advisor, even in a role in Shanghai. Um, Kay's even worked in the immigration fraud departments as well and been a representative for New Zealand there. So has vast experience. Um, and I know we'll have quite a few of our members, uh, our audience today will be joining from places like Queenstown um, and other areas of New Zealand with vast, um, uh, you know, lots of uh, immigrant workforces in place there. So uh, Kay also has experience working with the Queenstown and Dunedin departments for Immigration New Zealand. Um, is now out in, on her own um, or with her partner with Love Immigration. So we really are joined by someone that has uh, walked a mile in the shoes of, uh, of an immigration consultant. So Kay, uh, I'd really love to hand over to you and really want to look forward to hearing to your experiences. Hi, thank you, Rick. Um, so I just want to update you on some changes that are happening with Immigration New Zealand. Uh, so firstly, because of COVID-19 restrictions, um, there's a lot going on in terms of online applications. So the offices are restricted to these visa products, border exceptions, uh, essential skills work visas, work to residence visas, partnership visas, post-study work visas, student visas and visit visas and section 61 requests. So section 61 requests are requests for people who are overstaying in New Zealand right now if they want to make a request to the government to be able to stay on. So you can see that um, immigration officers are limited in this um, data outbreak restrictions. So that means that um, all paper applications are put on hold right now. So this will mean that a lot of employers will need to plan ahead um, because the accredited employer work visa has also been put on hold and this will be deferred to the mid 2022. Now the details of this accredited employer work visa is that basically immigration are making it tougher because there is a high demand for New Zealanders to be able to be employed instead of migrants. So the existing migrants now have to face a situation where there are three checks that are for the accredited employer work visa, which is the employer check, the job check, and the applicant check. This differs a lot from the central skills work visa, which is basically the visa which is sponsored by an employer to hire a migrant. So this is the main work visa policy that most work visa holders will take, but there are also other work visa work visas that are underlined in the work visa strength, which we can go on to um, later on. But I want to touch base on what immigration are doing right now and in terms of new visas that they're introducing. There has been a lot of um, media attention on migrant exploitation as well. So there is a migrant exploitation work visa that is in place right now. And that means migrants who have faced exploitation can be able to apply for a visa so that they can also be able to find other employment. Um, so it's obviously the employment right now is affected due to the um, situation with their employer. So there's that one there that is coming up. 
and there's also the request to travel application. Now, this is the main one for New Zealanders and um, also visa applicants right now, which is trying to get a border exception to come from offshore to come into New Zealand again, or for onshore applicants to be able to bring their loved ones back to New Zealand, or temporary visa holders who have already been outside of New Zealand and didn't know that COVID was going to happen and then they've been um, stuck outside. So what's happening right now is you can be able to make a request to travel application. You can do that online. And what happens is an automated system and an immigration officer will determine whether or not your circumstances are exceptional enough to be able to give you a place to be able to come into New Zealand. The, the issue around that right now is the government have had a situation where MIQ facilities are limited. So therefore, there is this streamline where if you're just coming here as a New Zealander to holiday and you're going back to another residence offshore, then you're not seen as priority over someone that is actually coming to New Zealand permanently, or they might have a funeral or a um, funeral or some other important situation to be able to attend to here in New Zealand. So the exceptional circumstance criteria is very exceptional as compared to millions of other applications out there. Um, so I would not recommend uh, people who are holding work visas and that um, or employers who are wanting to hire migrants that they've hired before offshore and they want to bring them back here. Yes, you can try to apply, but there is a very slim chance because right now even New Zealanders who want to come back here, like the woman who was um, in the States and she was pregnant and she wants to have a baby here in New Zealand, um, she's been denied travel. So you can see that the problem right now is there's not enough room to quarantine people. And so that's why border restrictions have been tightened up. Um, so that's something that um, if you have loved ones that are offshore or you are an employer who wants to hire migrants, like especially in the hospitality industry, there's a lot of employers who want to hire chefs that, you know, because obviously chefing, there's um, a lot of uh, different ethnic uh, cuisines or different other um, specialities within the chefing industry that you need training. And that training can't be something that's, um, you know, you just can train like that. It's experience. And that experience a lot of offshore applicants have, which employers are really suffering, especially the restaurant industry, you know, they don't have the ethnic chefs that they could get before because the accredited employer work visa scheme is now going to be put in place. So the, that stream has been harder. And I'll tell you those um, categories, because the visa categories that have been affected and have been actually closed are the talent accredited employer work visa, the long-term skill shortage list work visa. So this one is extremely important because this has closed on, this is going to close on the 31st of October, 2021. So you know how sometimes the chefs, they don't have a level of English, which you would need to be able to go through a pathway for residency. It's ideal for these work visas, um, work visa holders. who have like 10 years of experience. They're absolutely brilliant chefs, but they can't be able to meet the English language requirements. This pathway is for them but it's going to be closing on the 31st of October, 2021. So therefore, a lot of work visa holders, if you don't know about this, this is the time for you to apply before it closes, especially those skilled ones, because it's quite a high criteria as well. 
you have to have at least five years of experience and three uh, in at least two years of shifty pay pay experience so therefore we don't want to miss out on chefs that are actually of a shortage because they're highly skilled and the silver fern job search visa has also closed the silver fern practical experience visa is closing on the 31st of october 2021 so those visas again are talented credit employer work visa the long-term skill shortage work visa the skill firm practice experience visa those are closing on the 31st of october 2021 okay and with that an accredited employer work visa, work visa that's going to be replacing the essential skills work visa because that essential skills work visa is the main one that employees use to sponsor migrants that one means that there is also going to be an accreditation process where if you hire five or more or six or more clients then that will mean that it's going to be a higher threshold so you would need to meet the uh, minimum wage of at least 10 percent so so a higher uh, threshold than what you would usually give someone and that's why with the ones that have a low volume like example they're only going to hire uh, five or less people, then that will be another set of criteria as well. Those details of how much of what kind of criteria is going to be basically on um, compliance and history of that particular employer. Um, it's going to be on the character um, and skill set of the uh, applicant and also the job, how valuable, and how valuable it is to New Zealand and how does it affect that particular community and industry. So those are the sorts of things that immigration will look at um, when they assess that new work visa. So that will be coming in mid 2022. It was actually uh, um, originating to be, it was actually going to be rolled out on no, in November this year, but then that's um, been delayed because of COVID. So therefore November to, uh, uh, mid 2022 is when it's going to be operating. And the next thing I wanted to talk about is also with the central skills work visa policy, especially for ones, um, people who actually got uh, cases right now, if you have um, uh, police certificates or medical certificates that you've already lodged with Immigration New Zealand, then you don't need to be able to lodge them again for your new application. So this means you don't have any stress or on having to do your medicals and police certificates. So that's a bonus for people. And also in terms of when you're applying, your visas may be extended for longer from 12 months to 24 months depending on what skill set. Um, the other things that I would also like to point out is the stand down period. The stand down period for uh, people who do the essential skills work visa, they need to uh, remember that because they've been here for three years, they usually have a stand down period, but this has been deferred. And the date that it has been deferred is until 30th of June, 2022. So therefore, that should give more reassurance for people that they can be able to stay on for longer while obviously, um, you know, we've got COVID going on. So that is something else that people need to be aware of. Um, there's also the talented accredited employer work visa that has gone up to 150% of the median wage. So that means that if you've applied under the talented accredited work visa, the new threshold is now 79,560 per annum. It gets better. If you look at the minimum wage or minimum threshold that immigration has set for people who need to apply, especially migrants, 
the rate that it is, it was currently $25.50. It is now $27 per hour. So you need to earn $27 per hour for a skill level one, skill level two, skill level three position. If you have a skill level four or five, that means that you need to earn $40.50 per hour. So can you imagine a cleaner earning $40.50 per hour? So yeah, so there's a huge, um, a huge uh, disconnection between what's happening in the industries and what the government thinks is the right wage for people to be able to, because what happens is, from my experience, um, I know that immigration, they come up with a figure, but they can't explain how they've come up with that figure. And that's because there's been a there's been knowledge that's been lost about what's happening at ground level. Because if you are going to increase the rate, then you need to make sure that there is labor in place. If New Zealanders cannot be able to do that labor, when there is an industry that needs that support, you need to make sure that support is there, that system is there first before you roll out these changes. And therefore what's happening right now with a lot of industries, especially around the South Island, is that employers are feeling really frustrated because immigration is immigration are tightening up these rules, but they don't realize that all the work or the or example, all the small businesses that have skilled people, they're gonna lose them to someone else. Because remember, we are competing against other countries. Other countries like America, Canada, Australia, they want our skilled migrants. So from my view, we should be trying to hold on to our skilled migrants. And that means making it more facilitative. And by facilitative, I'll give you an example of a neurosurgeon who I got approved to have a visa, but they didn't find it sexual enough for him to be able to try, and he didn't want to try. He he didn't want to try to come in because he's saying, oh, it's too, too hard, you know, it's too much process, too much length to go to. This was a highly skilled neurosurgeon who is a multimillionaire, you know, he's got everything to be able to give to immigration and also to our communities. But they didn't want him because at that point in time, it was because they wanted to be able to make sure New Zealanders came into New Zealand. However, if we don't have a balance of being able to look after our skilled migrants who we already have here, and also have a balance of letting our New Zealand citizens come back here, then we're gonna lose both. And that's why I said, um, yeah, the problem right now with immigration is that immigration can't do much because there's not enough quarantine rooms to be able to let anyone in, let alone let migrants in. And so, yes, Migrants can be able to apply to try to come back in here, but the threshold is very high. So those are the, um, those are the changes that I want to talk to you about. Um, if you want to go into any detail, feel free to contact me. Um, and if you have any questions right now about anything that has been said, please feel free. Hey, thanks for that, Ray. Um, I had, um, I had a question as well, and it, it was just prompted then when you were talking about those pay rates. So in one of our offices, uh, mm -hmm. we had exactly that same case. A, a junior accountant, a grad, uh, they require huge amounts of training, um, and the, the salary, the, the market salary appears mm -hmm. relatively low, but there's a lot of training and a lot of other stuff that comes with that. Um, mm -hmm. For us to have been able to have gone through the process with immigration with this particular person, 
they would have ended up being paid, like you say, about 50% more than the people that were sat down next to them. Uh, it just seemed crazy. Well, it meant that we couldn't do it. We were just fortunate that there was another way of, of getting around it, but it just seemed like really bad policy to me. Yes, exactly. And that's why I said, because there's a disconnection of what they see with that's happening in the industry and what national office know what's happening. And that's why I said that's always been a problem as far as I've known. It's because a lot of that knowledge has been lost because experienced officers is obviously left when a lot of branches closed down. And I had told immigration when I was in management before at Immigration New Zealand, I told them that this is going to happen, you know, you shouldn't close those branches because you can't control how many applications you get. And what happened? Next minute, a high volume of applications came in they couldn't keep up with that because they had let go of so many other immigration officials to downsize because they wanted to make their budget. I mean, they recruited a whole lot of other officers, new officers, to take on this caseload, but the new officers, they weren't experienced enough. So they took a long time on applications because he's so scared of making a mistake. So there's a lot of issues with that in terms of how processing is done now. And that's why anyone who has any residence applications in, I know it's taking a long time. And I know that um, you're fearful that it might close down or something like that. But if your application is already physically and officially lodged with Immigration New Zealand, your policy, the policy effective, the policy effective date is not the date that they changed the policy. It's whatever the date that immigration accepted your visa application. So that means that you will, your application will be based on the old policy. So a lot of people have been fearful about that because they didn't know that, you know, because they see so many, the skilled migrant category has changed like so many times. It's tightened up, it's changed its rules. And so therefore it's so important for people to know when was your policy effective date? And that is the date that immigration officially lodged your application. That is the date, not when you posted it, but the date when they took money out of your account. That's, that's the date, okay? So yeah, with, I, with that kind of rate, with the pay rate, I also wanna say that a lot of people focus on the pay rate, but they don't realize that's only immigration, that immigration threshold. There is also another threshold that immigration used to assess, which is the, which is the immigration, uh, uh, labor market tests. And that means an immigration officer can assess whether they think that rate is reasonable and fair. So example, if a, if a New Zealander had that rate, would they get the same rate or would it be lower or higher? Because they don't want to end up in a situation where employers exploit migrants. So therefore they need to check that it's the rate that a New Zealander would be paid. But also they have the discretion to say whether that rate is enough. So how how people check that is you have a look at the national average of each salary band and what qualifications and experience that particular person has. So if you are, example, if you are a restaurant manager or you are a retail manager and you have five years of experience versus a person who has one year of experience, you'd expect that a person with five years experience and with a diploma or degree would be paid higher. And that's what immigration will be assessing as well. So the point that I want to make is there's two thresholds, not one. One is the minimum income threshold pay rate for Immigration New Zealand. The other is whether an immigration officer thinks that it is a reasonable rate. And that is where there's so much discretion. That's where you need to build your case. All right.
Excellent, thank you. And um, so it, it does appear to me then that you could have people in similar roles. And if we just followed the government's lead on this, then you'd have people in teams earning really different amounts of money, wouldn't you? Versus oh, yes. you know, Kiwis earning a lot less than, um, than people that have immigrated. Exactly. And so therefore, there's, there's going to be an employment issue there as well. And that's a policy issue, which great you mentioned that. Because what happens now is that because they've, they've increased those pay rates and New Zealanders might not be paid as highly because obviously those employees want to hang on to skilled. Because if you've got skilled experience, you want to hang on to it, right? And so what happens is now the Employment Law Act, the Employment Act says that you have to be fair and make sure that the contract is right for everyone. Well, now there's going to be a discrepancy in that between New Zealanders and migrants. So that's another issue because immigration officials, not only they look at the Health and Safety Act, they need to look at the Employment Act and the Immigration Act. So they need to make sure that that contract is reasonable and fair in all of those aspects because they've got to assess one of the rules around the grant of a visa is whether there is compliancy and whether that employer is not only compliant, but do they have a history of compliancy? Right. And so where you've got clients now that are, you know, they might have some um, skilled uh, migrant workers working for them and a number of uh, Kiwis. You say that you've got, you know, these other countries, America, Canada, they really want our skilled em, uh, em, employees. What can small businesses do to make sure that they're not going to lose out to that without just having to pay crazy, um, crazy hourly rates, which ultimately yeah. they're not going to, it won't make any commercial sense. Yeah, I think what I've seen and from my experience is that a lot of employers don't know other visa streams. They only know the essential skills work visa. And therefore, the advice they've been given is limited by the person who's giving it. So that's why I said um, a lot of bad advice has been given in the past because, and a lot of decisions have been made on, on bad advice because there is limited experience and skills on what visa categories there are. And therefore, you need to understand not only what visa policies there are in place with Immigration New Zealand, but how they're interpreted and how, what's the chances, what's the likelihood of getting that type of visa? A lot of people will, um, especially I've seen a lot of um, immigration experts, they will promise their clients and say, look, oh yeah, this, is, this has um, a better chance or it's gonna be approved. How can you be able to guarantee an approval to an, um, uh, to an immigration applicant if you don't, have any, don't even know who the immigration officer is, you don't even know their skills, you don't even know their experience, you don't even know the level of fairness they will have when two immigration officers looking at the same visa application, same policy, can make totally two different decisions. And the key here is the decision that they make is that whether it's correct or incorrect or whether it's reasonable or unfair or not, is based on the rationale and how they justify the decision. And that's why I said those things, how can you possibly know that without being able to understand who you're dealing with? It's about managing expectations. And that's why with employers, I always say to them, if you're going to make a decision where it's going to cost you money, make sure you've got all the information at hand. And that means if you want your work visa holders to stay with you, understand these circumstances first, because there might be another policy you didn't know about 
that you can actually apply it. Like example, um, what I talked about with the shift situation, you know, they only thought that the central skills work visa policy is the only way. The problem with that policy is it's built, built mostly around whether New Zealand is available or not versus a long-term, this, this, this one's another one called the work to residence policy. So it's called the long-term skill shortage list where if you meet the uh, requirements on that particular list and that occupation, it's got shorter rules and a higher chance of being able to not have to go through that because you don't need to have a New Zealander available to be able to understand that. So that's why I said you can be able to apply under that policy without being fearful that a New Zealander will take your job because it's based on your skill level. If you meet that skill criteria, then you can get that visa. I mean, obviously these other criteria with character, health and all that, but the main criteria is uh, skill set. And that's why I said employers don't know that. They only understand the essential skills work visa, which is going to be replaced by the accredited employer work visa. So that's why I said it's so important right now, especially when there's limited visa options right now, that employers understand what other options they have. And especially if you want to retain staff, I see a common thing, especially employers who retain staff that have stayed on for like five or six years. Those migrants, what they're thinking about is residency. And if you motivate them to be able to see that they have a pathway to residency, they're more likely to stay with you, not, not only just in the temporary, on a temporary basis, but long-term even after residency. I've seen that happen with a lot of my residence applicants that have stayed on with the employers. And that's what they're after, is that, is that support and loyalty that they will be looked after right through and with a reasonable, obviously, salary remuneration. So that's why I see with that situation, I really urge employers to find out what other visa options are there because there's so many other options within the work visa stream. Depending on, and the things that it depends on is the, the employees, qualifications, work experience, character history, health history, English language requirements, uh, their family support, because maybe the employer won't meet, employee won't meet it, like the principal applicant, but the secondary applicant, like the partner, the wife, the spouse, or they might meet a better criteria. And that could be another option for them. Because if they're on the open work visa, that is more freedom for an employer because that means the employer, if they know their employee is on an open work visa, that allows them to be able to do a lot more different jobs. Whereas essential skills work visa, you have to work for a particular occupation in a particular company in a particular region. So there you go. Yeah. Wow. No, thank you for that, Kay. That's um, that's a completely different way of looking at it, isn't it? Like the um, looking at it that with that real broad scope to make sure that you're it's the best solution for that person. So um, now I'll quickly introduce Lisa as well, my business partner down in Queenstown, because Lisa's got a few questions as well. So over to you, Lisa. Thanks, Rick. Hey, Kay, really, um, really useful information. Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, I had a particular question that's kind of related to obviously Queenstown and Cromwell and that sort of thing regarding the seasonal workers. How do you think the changes in the visa rules are going to affect those businesses that use seasonal workers that might be migrants, may not be? Mm -hmm. Right now, um, immigration are trying to um, have a facilitative approach because they realise, because there's been so much lobbying. The thing with Immigration New Zealand is if you want policies to change or policies to be effective, you need to lobby. 
And the local farmers in the orchard, they've lobbied. And they say, look, if you want to tighten that RSC policy, then do it. But look, where are our New Zealanders that are going to pick us fruit? You know, and you'll see that a lot in, in the media, you know, frustrated um, uh, orchard farmers and uh, farmers in general, frustrated that um, immigration policy is tightened up. And that's why I said um, with the RSC policy, it's still effective. It's still ongoing. But how can you be able to work in that kind of environment when there's not a lot of migrants that are able to do that work right now? Because they're also stuck in lockdown, because obviously we're in lockdown situ a lockdown situation right now. So that's why um, it's a situation where right now where working holiday visa holders, they can be able to do RSC work. They can be able to um, go and pick um, uh, fruit at the orchards, but they've got other things that employees need to think about, which is a big one in our area, especially Queenstown, Cromwell and all that, is accommodation. Accommodation is a big one for them because, uh, you know, uh, it's this, you know, you can see in Queenstown, um, these limited spaces for people to stay in and you have groups of people just staying in one house and a lot of flatmate situations. So that's a situation that's happening right now. Thanks, Kate. Really useful. Um, that was all I had, Rick, actually. Perfect. Yep. Excellent. All right. Hey, well, look, thank you so much for that, both of you. I really appreciate that. And Kay, that was a real wealth of uh, knowledge and, uh, and experience that you shared with us. So look, um, anyone that's watching this video, please do reach out. We'll have um, Kay's details tagged in the comments here. Um, so yeah, reach out to Kay if you've got any questions. And equally, I know that there is a lot to think about. I mean, um, I've been pretty uh, narrow-minded in my path for helping our employees in the past get through immigration having it, it was a process I went through myself about 14 years ago and absolutely hated so um, <laughs> you know it's just the price of being in paradise I suppose um, but yeah the, you've really opened up my mind certainly from an employer's perspective to actually help the team really look a bit broader and find out what might be the way that they can actually um, stay in New Zealand and stay employed so yeah really appreciate your help on that Kay that's been great Mm -hmm. Lovely. Thank you.